0: The Carolina reaper is one of the ugliest things you'll ever see in your life. It's covered with warts. It has this long tail coming out of it. And you look at it and you go, "Why would I eat that?" And it's telling you, "Don't eat me. I'm going to I'm going to mess you up." When you eat the reaper, you get this sweet flavor in your mouth. And it's like, "Wow, that Oh, crap." Immediately, it's like there's a charcoal briquette in your mouth. But if you keep on chewing that lava that's inside your mouth just starts burning its way down your throat and it burns its way all the way to your stomach. So literally your body gets lit up. People say they can feel it in their arms and legs and that's because there's so much capsaicin in it that it's literally getting into the bloodstream through every part of your body.
1: Welcome to Season Two. This is Of Note, a podcast on innovation.
2: I'm Laura Quarter, Managing Director of South Carolina Department of Commerce's Office of Innovation.
1: And I'm Joseph Nuther, co-founder of Design Sensory and PopFizz. We're talking to some of the most interesting minds in the South. They're hands-on, they're driven, and they're sharing their notes on business and creativity, entrepreneurship and leadership, failure and growth, and so much more. For many people, these are trying times. You might be facing the financial consequences of a turbulent economy, or the impact of emotional and logistical hardships on daily life. If your patience and optimism are starting to wear thin, this episode might speak to you. Certainly, these are feelings not uncommon or foreign to entrepreneurs and innovators. The startup life can be wrought with whiplash stress, invention can face repeated failure before finding breakthrough success if at all. Perhaps the key attribute that is in focus is the idea of resiliency. There's a Chinese saying, he who cannot endure red peppers is also unable to fight. The roller coaster of life can provide thrilling moments and gut-wrenching dives. Fittingly, Ed Curry, the inventor of the world's hottest pepper, seems to relish in the challenge that comes with the ride. His story is an inspirational tale of following your heart, enduring hardships, indulging in curiosities, and cultivating a sense of purpose around passion and
0: work. My name is Smokin' Ed Curry. I'm the president, owner, mad scientist, and chef at the Pucker Butt Pepper Company. Oh, I'm known for making the hottest pepper in the world, the Smokin' Ed's Carolina Reaper coming in at 1.641 million Scoville heat units on average. Scoville heat unit is the scientific unit they use to measure what we perceive as heat in a pepper. A man named Wilbur Scoville uh, came up with a a very subjective method uh, as to how many ounces of water it took to dilute a pepper before you could not taste any heat. In the 70s, as science was getting better, the AOAC. That's the Association of Official Analytical Collaboration, a leader in food safety and public health. Came up with a method using a a machine called a high-performance liquid chromatograph uh, to measure the actual level of capsinoids. And that's how we measure Scoville heat units now. The chemical compound that our brain perceives as heat is called capsaicin. There are lots of capsaicinoids. That's the family of capsaicins that's prevalent in peppers. Scoville heat units
1: and capsaicin. You're going to hear Ed mention these two things a lot when talking about his peppers. Ed began developing his capsaicin-packed Scoville-scale breaking pepper in the early 2000s. But when it was finally released, well, that wasn't exactly part of the plan.
0: I got involved with universities here in South Carolina, and one of them, Winthrop University in Rock Hill. A grad student who was working on my stuff asked if she could do a uh, poster for some, you know, putting out her thesis. She put that poster up. It hit the Winthrop site and then went worldwide. So all of a sudden, I was getting all these things, you know, oh, what is this Carolina Reaper? Blah, 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 blah. And I didn't realize you know, that that would bring it out. We were trying to keep it a secret and keep everything for manufacturing purposes. But it became the official Guinness World Record November 13th of 2013.
1: And since then, the Reaper has stayed at the top?
0: One thing we found out, my attorney called me one day and said, your pepper isn't the record anymore. I said, what are you talking about? Uh, so I called up Guinness and they said, oh, you have to recertify every three years. We had all the data. We do our data every year anyway. So I just sent in the certification and we actually recertified at a higher level. The high average on the first time was 2.2 million. The second time was 2.5 million. And we just got data in saying the Reapers broke 3 million Scoville heat units.
1: For those of you who enjoy spicy food but don't necessarily know uh, what causes or what ingredients actually create that sensation of heat, I think Ed's pretty much covered it. What's interesting is as he as he had his breakthrough with the Carolina Reaper, he really needed something or someone, an institution to validate that. And for that he turned to Winthrop University, right?
2: Yeah, and specifically a uh, chemistry professor, Cliff Calloway, and his, his pack of students. So how do you how do you test a scoval unit? So the process, it seems fairly straightforward, but, but takes about a week. First, they've got to freeze dry the peppers straight from the field to remove any of the moisture involved with them. That helps make sure that all the peppers are the same. Then they, they take these peppers and they ground them up into the flakes that they boil in ethanol alcohol that they then run through a high-performance liquid chromatography machine. Uh, fancy. Yeah, I know. It does sound fancy, if I even said that right. So that mainly then each component can be separated, identified, and then, of course, quantified. So that this, this is formally the extraction of the chemical compounds that, that Ed's talked about, capsaicin. And it's through that that they're able to now compare that on the Scoville scale of heat. And now, of course, you know, given him this title of hottest pepper in the world.
1: And it's, it's it's even more so than like the big ghost pepper craze, right? I mean, everybody know, has heard about the ghost pepper, but Ed will have you believe that the ghost pepper has nothing on the Carolina Reaper.
2: And it's been tested to prove that.
3: Anytime that you have the hottest chili pepper in the world, there's going to be a lot of folks that will that seek it out.
2: That was Vic Klinko, a chili head and owner of the largest hot sauce collection in the world, talking more about Ed and the Carolina Reaper.
3: Right, because they want to then in turn have the hottest hot sauce maybe in the world or whatever it is. Um, so you, again, you become uh, you become sought after, right? A lot of folks come to you, even if you look at as hot sauce as a whole, right? So start off with Tabasco, right? Tabasco didn't invent hot sauce, but they made right um, American made, right? And and the production value and the things that they did to it, it just become extremely popular. So. Tabasco, for the for the most part, stemmed this entire industry. So either people tried to mimic it, or they tried to be the opposite of it. A lot of hot sauce makers tried to be the anti Tabasco because they didn't either like the flavor or it was too much vinegar, whatever. What their, their decision was. It's the same thing with the, with with having the hottest chili pepper, right? So again, people are going to want to mimic it, right? They're going to want to try to grow their own and or try to get hotter. So it just becomes iconic right? I mean, it's, just, it's a really cool dynamic around, you know, having that, that, that honor of having the hottest chili pepper in the world.
1: As Vic said, the Carolina Reaper is now an icon, but that goes beyond just the world of hot sauce. Do a quick search for the Carolina Reaper and you'll see countless challenge videos with people from all across the world looking to conquer the chili, only to be left in tears. Or you'll find a number of products from hot sauces and powders to chips and jerky for those with an insatiable spice tolerance. But while the pepper may have dropped on the world overnight, the actual road to the Carolina Reaper was much longer
0: and tied to Ed's personal journey.
1: How did you get into making a pepper?
0: Well, I was a pretty bad kid. Uh, Smart as whip, but very bad. I was that kid that didn't have to study, you know, but I also liked to party a lot. My parents dropped me off at college early and they told me I was gonna die of heart disease or cancer. Uh, And I better do something about it if I wanted to keep up my lifestyle. And I didn't want to stop partying. Uh, So I started studying a thing called the library, where facts are. And uh, I I looked at the indigenous populations around the equator, uh, because they didn't have any uh, high indices of cancer or heart disease. Actually, unless they were westernized, they had no indices of cancer or heart disease, unmeasurable. And they had five things in common, and the one that I could standardize in Michigan uh, was capsaicin. So that's how I got started studying capsaicin, 1981.
1: And how old were you when you got into?
0: 17 when I started, 18 when I actually really started looking into it. But you know, in 1981, Uh, There was very, very few restaurants where you could find anything with heat in them, okay? But there was a place, some of the Vietnamese got relocated after the war, and a general happened to get relocated into Orchard Lake, which was right next to where I grew up. His restaurant was called The West East. Uh, I went to this restaurant, I told him I wanted the hottest thing they had, because, you know, really the only thing hot you could find at the time was Tabasco or Frank's or, you know, red pepper. And they told me I didn't want hot, and I said, yes, I want hot. Uh, so they made me up a dish that uh, it was really, really hot. And I started sweating, and I was snotting and I, was, I couldn't stop, but I couldn't stop eating either. And I, literally, I was like, that was the best thing I ever had in my life. I did not know at the time, but what it was doing was giving me an endorphin rush. Uh, see, capsaicin fills the dopamine receptors in your brain, the same as a narcotic does and releases huge amounts of dopamine and endorphin into your body. Just like uh, when you get a runner's high or something like that. You're in so much pain that the body has to take care of that. I was getting high and that's why I liked it so much. And essentially, because I was partying and wanted to keep on partying, I got addicted to spicy foods. How did you end up here in South Carolina? My parents had moved down here Uh, My dad told me when he was 55, I'm retiring. You better have your together, okay, or uh, you're going to be out of luck. And when I went to wish him happy birthday, he was gone, okay? I was a few days late, but he was gone. And I found out they moved down here, and I had been down here before. So I moved down once, but I didn't, you know, it was hot. (laughs) It's hot down here, and I wasn't interested in being hot and uh, being a big, fat, sloppy drunk, okay, honestly. Uh, so I moved back to Michigan, I got married again, and my addiction just went in a downward circle. And I got to the point where I literally just wanted to die. I wanted to die, okay, I just, you know, there was no purpose in living, I'd gotten divorced again. All I had in my life was drugs and alcohol and my work and I decided that it was time to go. So I opened up all my doors. Uh, There was a blizzard going on, opened up all the windows and just started partying and waited to see what would happen. What happened was an angel showed up and that angel told me to go to Brighton Hospital. I spent two and a half years at that hospital, making, you know, learning a new way to live and learning a new life and getting humbled. I went from having a really good living to no living at all. Uh, being the boss to working for 18 year olds at a video store, you know, it grounded me and I had to get back to myself and, and get to my real roots instead of being who I thought I was. I realized my purpose again, and my purpose was really the peppers.
1: Trying times and seemingly insurmountable challenges often help us to refocus on our goals and on our personal missions, to see clearly again once we take those first steps to overcoming these challenges. Ez's resiliency played no small part in helping him refocus, and to stay focused, he decided to move back to his family, which gave way to some immediate changes in his life.
2: We are honored to have our podcast, of note, recognized with a 2020 Webby Honoree Award for our debut season. The Webby Awards is the leading international award honoring excellence on the internet. Awarded by the International Academy of Digital Arts and Sciences, it's the internet's highest honor. You can help us continue to grow the podcast by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing with your friends and colleagues.
0: I was up there for two and a half years. Uh, I found out that I wasn't in trouble with the law anymore. I wasn't in trouble with anybody. All my debts were paid. Uh, and I called my parents and I humbled myself and I said, Could I come down to your house? I don't want to be here anymore. And they, they gave me a bunch of rules, <laughs> you know. And as a 37 year old man, I moved back into my parents' home. Uh, I immediately started growing peppers down here. I was growing peppers in Michigan at the time, but immediately the climate here is so much better. And I attend 12-step recovery programs. And I kept on seeing this girl, you know, and uh, this girl, every time I saw her, my stomach hurt, my chest hurt, you know, I got all nervous. And I wasn't correlating it with seeing her. I actually went to the doctor and uh, my doctor, she said, you bonehead, you're in love, you know? So. Uh, I went and asked this girl for her number, and she said, not a chance. (laughs) And then I heard her talking to her girlfriend. You know, we used to get a lot of fresh salsa when we have our dinners, and no one ever makes salsa again. And I was like, dang, I know how to make salsa. You know, I got some uh, tomatoes out of the garden, some peppers out of the garden, mangoes and onion and stuff from the peach stand, and I put together some peach mango salsa. And uh, at the dinner that night, she asked, You know, who made the salsa? (laughs) I did. We talked. Nine months later, we were married. Now, in that nine months, she moved me into her home. She had a pretty big yard. I I put 1,100 pepper plants in her backyard, peppers and tomatoes, in her backyard within two weeks of moving in. She's like, what the heck are you doing to my yard? And I said, you know, I I do hot peppers. I breed hot peppers, and I, I make salsa and hot sauce, give it away to people, you know? I'm looking to breed the hottest pepper in the world. My wife told me to start a business, okay? And I said, no one's gonna buy this stuff, it's just too hot, you know? She said, yeah, I betcha. And we, she actually sold a bunch of it the very first time we sold it. But his wife was right. These
1: days, that extreme of it's just too hot is how Ed made his name.
3: 2012, the hot sauce industry as a whole was the eighth fastest growing industry in the United States. So they like literally thousands of hot sauce makers across the country, producing tens of thousands of products, and you know, there there is bound to be something for everybody out there.
2: So where would you say Ed's sauces? Which I know that he's got quite a few on his own, right?
3: He's got a pretty cool lineup. I mean, he does. He has some mild sauces um, because of who he is, and because of the, the you know the Carolina Reaper and and all of that. He does kind of tend to 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 lean a little bit toward the the extremes but he does he's got a lot of really cool sauces out there.
2: So would you say his sauces due to, you know, the 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 reaper that his sauces are probably not only at the extremes but are the extreme?
3: I think that with with being able to take flavor and Heat together, yeah, I think he's at the top end of that spectrum. So a lot of folks go to him for those sauces that are, that are, that are going to test their, their
0: heat tolerances. Uh, so by the time I got legal, I had asked people who were very successful all over the state, what do I need to do? How do I do this? Where do I go? Uh, and then it was just lessons learned from that point on. I've made every mistake there is <laughs> to make for a business
1: but trust in others wasn't one of those mistakes.
0: You know, trusting some people uh, with the Carolina Reaper is what's made it uh, worldwide. My attorneys will tell you that that's a big mistake, Uh, but everybody knows me because that mistake happened. And that's because I trusted someone who who I thought was trustworthy.
3: Like when I first started, and I really kind of started paying attention to hot sauce, um, it seemed like the in thing was like Jalapeno, right? And then from Jalapeno, it kind of it uh, morphed into Chipotle, and Chipotle was a huge deal. And then from Chipotle, it kind of went into Habanero. And then all of a sudden, bang, the ghost pepper popped in, right? So um, and there was a couple of other peppers that kind of popped in, and then bang, all of a sudden, this reaper came in. And it was just like, I don't know, it was like the industry exploded again, um, and then there was so many folks just trying to, there was a scramble on, on who was going to put out the first one and then bang. And all of a sudden there was just so many Reaper sauces and it's, it, it's fun to kind of watch those trends and see how things kind of, uh, work like that.
2: So you would say that Ed's Reaper definitely disrupted the industry?
3: Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it turned it on its side. And I think it's still, um, it's still doing it. I-, I think there's still folks that are clamoring over and still want to make, you know, there's, I'd be hard pressed to try to figure out how many Reaper sauces um, that I have in the collection, but there's, there's quite a few. There's a lot. How did you make the Carolina Reaper?
0: I was breeding these things out for medical research because my mother had cancer at the time. And I got a pepper. When I was in Detroit, there was a doctor from Pakistan who uh, flew back and forth all the time. Uh, And I watched his kids a lot while he was out of town. He brought me peppers from Pakistan. A woman I knew at the bank uh, brought me a pepper from the island of St. Vincent. So I I grew out nine different peppers and bred them with that one from La Sofri and the Carolina Reaper was born from that it was HP 22B was the official name that we used for scientific you know scientific purposes
1: is there a craft to successful growing of pepper plants
0: to grow a pepper is really not difficult at all okay They are nightshades, they are self-pollinating. So you can literally get one plant from the store, put it in a pot, I recommend five to 10 gallon pots, on your porch, water it when the leaves are drooping, (laughs) don't water it if the leaves are up, and you will get peppers. It's a very simple plant, nightshades are weeds. But to crossbreed a pepper takes a lot of work. Uh, You have to pollinate, you have to try actually to pollinate one plant to the other and really for for our purposes we pick one plant to be a male one plant to be a female so you take the pollen out of one plant and you brush it into the flower of another hoping that it's not already pollinated okay but that that's a very small chance and you do that over and over and over and over again I try to wait until there's fruit on a a plant before I do it so that we have the fruit that's supposed to be produced and we see what the cross looks like. You don't look for a pod variation, you look for a, a whole new pod coming off of it. And then you have to save the seeds out of that pod, plant them and see if it reproduces what you're looking for. If it does reproduce what you're looking for, that's the first generation. You have to do that over and over and over again for 8 to 10 generations before a geneticist and botanist will declare it a stable crossbreed. A stable crossbreed just means that it's genetically stable. It takes, depending on which uh, group's rules you follow, it takes anywhere between 10 and 15 more years for it to become a cultivar. And then it takes another 25 years for it to become an heirloom. So right now the Carolina Reaper is between the crossbreed stage and approaching the cultivar stage.
1: For the benefit of time, you've got multiple quote-unquote experiments of crossbreeding going at any given time.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, We've slowed down to doing 20 to 30 a year uh, of specific crossbreeds for specific purposes.
1: One of the things I find most rewarding about meeting all these people and learning about their stories is learning about the origin or the spark, the inspiration that that got them started on their journey. Um, Most of the time, that's from, you know, as we've mentioned before, uh, them detecting a gap in, in the market or a problem, something that's been around that no one's addressed. But in this case, in Ed's case. Uh, it was very personal. Yeah, for him.
2: yeah his mom has unfortunately passed away from lung cancer, but that's really sparked him to now grow Pepper, specifically for medical research. Um, even as early back in 2019, Marshall University, Shout out to my parents, on my matter. Go Thundering Herd. Um, presented a study at the American Society uh, for Investigative Pathology that capsaicin actually slowed the spread of, of lung cancer. Um, I mean, you can read online hundreds and hundreds of studies that relate to capsaicin and its role or hopeful role in, in cancer treatment. Um, but Dr. Michael Freeman He's a director of the cancer biology program at the Cedars-Sinai uh, Medical Center, um, and, and he, would, he would directly say cancer cells can be induced to activate a suicide program, basically, biomedically, by certain sorts of mon- molecular processes. And, and capsaicin is known to bind to a protein on the membrane of certain cells. And in response to this binding, the tumor cells, yeah, they kill themselves.
1: Yeah, it's really neat to see that he, he, he sort of took his pain, and went right at it, right? And sort of devoted his his, his life and, and his innovation to to trying to see if he could figure out a way to fix it. You hold the, the title for the Carolina Reaper. How do you maintain that competitive advantage? I, I'm assuming there are other folks out there.
0: We currently have the Guinness World Record for the Smokin' Ed's Carolina Reaper, but we've got a lot of peppers that are much hotter. If someone comes to break my record, Uh, I will just break theirs and that's why we don't release those hotter peppers. Uh, We let manufacturers use them and we give them exclusive access to those uh, because of the economy of scale it provides for them. Uh, For example, uh, what one company used 55 gallons of habanero mash uh, to do a batch of their salsa Now they're using a five gallon bucket of Reaper mash. We deliver to 95 countries from the state of South Carolina every single month, okay? We've gotten about as far worldwide as we could grow. Uh, We can grow our revenue by getting more customers, but there really isn't that much more we can do because of uh, restrictions. Uh, So we had to learn how to expand and expand is the lines that we have that are not part of our original process. Like when I started, I made pepper mash for myself, okay? And I did it all for myself. Uh, But I was able to expand into a brand new business where where we are now a manufacturer supplier to commercial industry. Uh, I have expanded into other areas you know, due to uh, laws that have come in and, you know, different, different ideas that I've had. And each of those businesses have nothing to do with hot sauce, uh, but they are ancillary to the hot sauce. And they're all involved in the farming. We are a USDA certified organic farm because I believe that a lot of the chemicals and pesticides that are used in the agriculture industry are really bad for our health and some of the science is coming out that shows it is. Uh, So I've always used organic fertilizers. I use ladybugs and praying mantis and green lacewings and parasitic wasps to take care of insects. Uh, But I believe it gives us a superior product to any of our competitors.
3: I think he's very influential in this in this industry, right? Um, there's a there's a lot of big names out there that have been around for a long time, and, and um, I think he's he's getting to that point, you know, because um, he's been around for so long. I mean, he's he, again, all of the, uh, the the interactions and the business dealings and the things that he's that he's putting himself into has just been fantastic, and, and it's been good for him. It's been good for the industry.
1: Those business decisions of ads have helped him grow Pucker Butt Pepper Company to what it is today. Ed shares his approach to funding, hiring, and how he stays motivated.
0: So essentially, uh, myself and my wife, we uh, funded this whole thing through credit cards. Because back in, you know, if you remember back in the early 2000s, before the banking crisis, they give you any credit card at 0%, and you could roll from one to the other to the other. Uh, so we funded it on credit cards. We used up our 401ks. i uh, borrowed from family and paid them back. I did get involved in in an angel fund that really was not a good experience. uh, And I don't recommend it for anyone. Try as hard as you can to get your own funding. Uh, But essentially, outside of that small amount, we've self-funded it with every single bit of profit we've ever made and with every single dime we ever had, (laughs) uh, including most of our paychecks, everything above the bills. Uh, to keep this growing and expanding. Now, my wife doesn't believe that that's a, a, a very good uh, business model, uh, but now we're debt free. Really where her fear came in with that is we adopted two children at birth. Uh, so she was like, how are we gonna pay for these kids and pay for this business? Uh, but it's all been worked out. Everything, everything's been taken care of and those kids have wanted for nothing. What do you look for when you hire people? Uh, Mostly I hire people I know or I've met either met through recovery or met in church or met in karate or uh, I just people who are are real and who are genuine. The people who know me and love who I am and love what I do know the kind of effort I put into it and when they ask me for a job I know they're willing to do that effort because they already know ahead of time. Back in 1981, actually, studying over a keg of Lone Brow Dark Beer, uh, one of the ladies who was with us at the time, she asked the question, because it was for one of her school assignments, what do you want to do in your life? And she went around the room, and I said in 1981, November 23rd of 1981, I'm going to invent the hottest pepper in the world. And she came to work for me uh, when I started Bucker Buck Pepper Company for real, uh, and she still had that paper you work
1: very hard. You talked about being up since two and yeah, you, you know, this, this looks all like a lot of hard work. What drives you now and what's driven you through all of that? What keeps you motivated?
0: Uh, I work very hard and I put in very long hours because I believe I'm following God's will for my life. Okay. There's, there's a tier of priorities that i I follow first and foremost is the God of my understanding. And I'm not apostolizing. I just believe everyone should have someone else they have faith in, okay? Next comes my wife, then my children, okay? Then my friends and my family, okay? Then comes the business. So what really drives me is the fact that most of the people who work for me are my friends or family. (laughs) I have two miracle children that came through this company. I have a beautiful wife who loves me and supports me. And then I have a God who shows me every single day that I'm doing the right thing. Uh, so that's what my motivation is. I'm not motivated by money since 2011. I haven't had a salary. Okay. Cause my business has grown so much that I have, I've had to put every single dime we make and more back into the business. I hope to continue that, though my wife would like to get a salary in the house again, now that she's retired. Uh, But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It just means that our children will be taken care of and all the people that I employ are taken care of. And, you know, my community is taken care of.
1: And what advice would you give anybody who's struggling with trying to figure out how to turn an idea into something else or finding their purpose or scaling a business?
0: The best advice I can give to a person who's trying to start a business or grow their business or expand their business, but the best advice I can give is follow your heart and not your head, okay? Uh, Because when we think with our hearts, we're usually following the path that we're going, you were supposed to be down. If we think with with our heads, usually involves money, and we shouldn't be chasing money if we're gonna be innovators. Uh, Innovators don't need money. What they need is to uh, be able to go through their creative process and bring an idea to fruition. Uh, Usually when I have something that's with my head instead of my heart, I seek the counsel of eight people who are very, very important to me and they give me input before I act on it. Because Most of the time it's not a good idea.
1: (laughs) Well, how do you define innovation?
0: Innovation is taking uh, an idea, a thought, that turns into obsession, figuring out a way to take care of it and bringing it to fruition, and then bringing it out to the public.
1: So you believe there's a lot of faith in that process?
0: It's all faith. Uh, If you don't have faith, you've got fear, okay? And fear stops innovation right away. How am I gonna do this? I don't have the money to do it. The things you hear all the time are all fear-based. Just gotta have faith that it's gonna get done and it always gets done. Might get, not get done in the timing that you want it to get done in, but it always gets done. So what's next for the Pucker Pepper Company? Well, we expanded approximately five times the size we were last year, maybe a little bit more. So depending on the harvest, we're gonna have somewhere between uh, six and a half million to 15 million in revenue this year. We're going to expand 10 times that size next year. And that is just with our hot sauce and mash business. Uh, But we're probably gonna wind up opening some of those uh, expansions over the next year or two. I hope to employ another hundred or so people in the coming year uh, to, because we're going to need them to process these peppers. Uh, we're also going to need them to sell these peppers. And we're also uh, probably going to release a new pepper this coming year. Uh, my team's against it right now, but uh, you know I make all the decisions <laughs> at the end anyway. Do uh, you have a I, name for it already? Uh, I think we're going to release Pepper X. I think we're going to unleash Pepper X upon the world. Uh, but Their points are valid, and I want to make sure I'm not thinking with ego, uh, which I like to say, edging God out. If I do do it anyway, and it turns out to be a mistake, we got hotter,
1: (laughs) so. (laughs) And if at this point you can't believe Ed's obsession with peppers, well, it's very real.
0: You know, people ask me all the time whether I enjoy eating peppers. I eat peppers every day, all day long. My first pepper was at a little bit after seven this morning. My last pepper will be with some ice cream tonight because Friday night is ice cream night. We have a sauce called pucker duck sauce in the the store. It's got a really mild chili in it. It's got orange, garlic, and ginger. And you would think, ooh, would that taste good on ice cream? But you pour that on some vanilla ice cream, you'll be hooked. My name is Ed Curry, and those were my notes on innovation.
1: This has been Of Note, a podcast that gets up close and personal with innovative people so we can learn from their successes and failures. I'm Joseph Nether,
2: And I'm Laura Quarter. This is an original production by the South Carolina Office of Innovation and Design Sensory.
1: Our producer and editor is Hunter Foster, with additional editing support from Mariah Reed. Our sound engineer is Mike Deering, with original music by Matthew Honkanen.
2: Check out more interviews, our blog and resource area at ScribbleSC.com. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at ScribbleSC. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Next time on Of Note.
4: I used to see articles at one point uh, where it said, Telehealth was used in this, for this clinical service for six months. Uh, it didn't show any changes. Telehealth can't be used here. And it's, it's like, that's, you know, it's, it's almost like a, it's not a drug, right? So it's, you apply it as a way of saying, all right, we applied it in a way, and we found this um, different measure, whatever it may be. Uh, and it wasn't what we, you know, it didn't meet our satisfaction or, or a predetermined goal. So how do we adjust that? And we kind of look at telehealth as a, you know, across a run chart and with different interactions and changes to be improved, whether it's patient experience, you know, the time that we're trying to, you know, maybe accomplish something. And that could be time like uh, response times and telestroke or scheduled times of, you know, when a patient would typically be able to see a specialist. Um, and so, you know, we've kind of always continuously looked at that as you know, a continuous process improvement and how we can make different points of uh, development within that process.